Are you ready to talk about 5-1 fronts? Two high shells, the new defense that Ed Donatel will run in Minnesota, and how all of the foundational players on that defense fit into it, because that's what we're doing today on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. And today, I just want to talk about what the roles will be for each of what I would call the kind of foundational players on the Vikings defense. And in doing so, we're going to learn about what that that Vic Fangio defense is. Now, Vic Fangio himself sounds like he's taking a year off, but his right-hand man was Ed Donatel. And now that guy's a defensive coordinator for the Vikings, or he will be soon officially. So we're going to talk about that Fangio defense and, and what they're building. But I get a lot of questions about, does this person fit? What about a 3-4 versus a 4-3? What are they running? You know, is, is Eric Kendricks still good? Is Harrison Smith good? Should we trade him away? All that stuff. So let's go over some of those players. For this, I have chosen five players that I think are foundational to the Vikings defense. The core, I guess, if you will. Now, it is far from a complete defense because everybody else outside of these five is either leaving or bad. Uh, so we've got some problems to deal with. And I don't know if the defense is going to be good because of those personnel problems. And this isn't necessarily a, a, a prediction on whether or not they will be good or bad. This is a an analysis of one player's skill sets and the things the defense will ask of that player and asking if those things align. So the five players we're going to do that with are Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Daniil Hunter. I think those three are easily like foundational guys, right? And then I put in the DTs too, uh, Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson, because they're both under contract for at least a couple years. And so they're going to be part of the Vikings for a while here. Or at least if they aren't part of the Vikings, it's going to be awkward to get out of that. And so we kind of have to say, okay, that's like a totally bad fit. And we have to do this investigation. Um, and then, like I said, as I hope, when we go through all this, we'll be able to kind of talk about the foundational principles of a Vic Fangio defense. Um, and it's not just Vic Fangio. It's Brandon Staley runs this. Patrick Graham has taken a lot of these. So that's the Chargers. That's the Rams. That's the uh, the Giants. The Bears have run this with Sean Desai, and I think they're going to keep trying to. Um, there are a lot of Fangio disciples spreading across the league. And the reason for that. Uh, and I think the reason it's so popular and why so many teams want Fangio and his disciples, apparently Vic Fangio got 11 offers for a defensive coordinator job. Um, and he decided he wanted to, I think he wanted to take a head coaching job or nothing. So he's, he's either retiring or taking a year off or something, but 11 teams wanted that guy to be their defensive coordinator, not only because he has a really good reputation as a kind of cutting edge schematic innovator, but also because the scheme that he and his disciples run is good against the wide zone, and the wide zone is everywhere. It is a metagame kind of world, everybody. So to explain why that is, I think the best thing to do is to go position by position. So I think the best place to start with this scheme is the safeties, and specifically the too high shell part of a Vic Fangio scheme. So let's start with Harrison Smith and his skill set, and we're probably familiar enough with that, so I'll talk about the scheme. Um, basically... A Vic Fangio scheme, pre-snap, 
very often, um, not always, but like 80% of the time, like an insane amount of the time, shows a too high shell. That means two deep safeties. So the difference between two high and one high is pretty simple. Um, in a one high shell, which means you've got one deep safety and one safety in the box, obviously that's better against the run. The problem is it's very susceptible in particular to crossing routes because the middle of the field is a lot more stacked than the outsides of the field. And so going from one side of the field to the other is going to stress that thin part very hor like horizontally. And that makes it really hard, especially for that single high safety. That person's going to get stressed a lot in crossing routes or over routes or deep posts or anything like that. Favorites of the wide zone. And that's why the wide zone is so popular because everybody's running a lot of single high um, to be, to stop the run and they do get to stop the run, but all these bootleg concepts, flood concepts, sale, all these things, um, are really, really good. So a too high shell has a little bit more help there. Of course you have more people deep, but also everybody's spread out a little bit more and you have a much easier time defending those crossing concepts, but you have one less guy in the box. And so you're going to be a little bit worse in the run. That's basically the give and take. So what Fangio does is a, he does just kind of live in too high. And by proxy, Donatello, I'm going to say Fangio a lot, but just understand that that means. And by proxy, what the Vikings will do. Um, they just live in too high a lot. They say, yeah, we're going to be a little worse against the run and we're going to be a little better against the pass. And we just start, we're good with that trade-off. That's a good trade-off. We'll take that. Um, so you're a little better against crossing routes. You're a little better against flood, bootlegs, stuff like that. All of the, the Sean McVay-esque wide zone favorites are going to be a little better against that. The wrinkle to all this is that the safeties will rotate into other coverages. So think of like a Pete Carroll version of a cover three where you have one high safety of an extra guy in the box and you're really stout against the run. Fangio's version of that is with a safety filling in out of off the table, I think is the way that some coaches put it, or I've heard it like out of the roof. You're, you're taking a safety from high from a 25 yard off the line of scrimmage alignment, and they will basically at the snap or a little bit post snap they will tighten up and they will attack and insert themselves into a gap. Um, the way to do this, usually it's an outside gap, like a C gap or a D gap, because any run to those gaps will take a little bit of time and the safeties need a little bit of time to get down there. If you have them fill in the A gap, that develops a little bit too quickly for a safety to come all the way out of the roof, but you'll still see Fangio defenses do that kind of thing and they'll just have the safety kind of cheat it a little bit by starting to insert themselves into that gap before the snap, like during the snap counter, the cadence or something like that. So for a safety in a Vic Fangio scheme, you have to rotate into a bunch of coverage shells. You have to know exactly what the rotation is and you have to be good at disguising it and you have to be very good at knowing exactly how far out of place you can be but still be able to get to where you need to be in time. And Harrison Smith is the god of that. Like, he's really, really good for this scheme. And I think there's a lot of concern over his age. And of course, he's, what, like 33 or something like that? But the parts of a safety's game that age really gracefully are the, the mental part of the game, of course, the knowing coverages and knowing all that stuff. And also... This sort of pre-snap, post-snap, at-the-snap kind of trickery will age gracefully because if you are not fast enough to get from 25 yards deep, then just line up 20 yards deep. And that's fine. It's not going to make any difference when you're uh, on a like covering a deep route if it's a true too high shell. Um, so you can just sort of line up wherever you have to and just don't get too far out of place. What too far is doesn't really matter as long as you're comfortable with it. And also, unlike a Saban system, which is what Zimmer does, Zimmer does a, a Nick Saban system. 
Unlike that, the safety won't have to do as much man coverage. There'll be a lot more high coverage, a lot more zone and stuff like that. But in a Saban system, it would be a lot of pattern man match where you you had a set of rules that told you who you were going to man cover, but then you had to man cover that guy. That's always been the thing that Harrison Smith is worst at is man covering. And there would be a lot of plays that require him to, you know, nail a deep post and like fly all the way across the field. And if he doesn't have the athleticism, that would start to get worse. Um, this, I think, utilizes Harrison Smith's experience more and his athleticism less. That's a good thing. Um, I want to get to everybody else, but to understand the Fangio system, understand two high shells. It always looks like a two high shell to confuse the quarterback. It makes it really hard for the quarterback to read things. And then post snap, it either stays too high or it rotates to something else. And um, that makes you a really difficult defense to throw on. How you get away with having those safeties out of place, though, has to do with the front. And I'll explain that in a little bit. But first, let me tell you about Grambling. Uh, it's not football season anymore, but it's still basketball season. Hockey, the Olympics, USA curling was in a heater last night. Uh, so if you want to gramble on any of that kind of stuff or whatever, you know, MMA, uh, boxing, your favorite, like Vegas casino games, tennis, golf, whatever, you can go to betonline.net and find it there. It is your one-stop shop for all things, grambling news, sports, odds, everything that you need. So head on over to betonline.net and get yourself a grambling bet online where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Let's keep going on this defense. So we, we understand that the safeties have to rotate and that requires them to be able to kind of process things very quickly and be a step ahead of the quarterback. There's a lot of cat and mouse between the safety and the quarterback and you got to be uh, wily enough to keep up in that matchup. And you kind of have to have both safeties do that. So Harrison Smith, phenomenal for that role, but not unlike the way it was with Zimmer, you need a guy opposite him that's good at that kind of thing too, so that's going to be a need in the offseason. Um, but the problem with this is, of course, you are going to be a little worse against the run. You will have a gap that you cannot cover because that safety isn't in the box, or if he is in the box, it's going to take him a little bit to go there. So at the very least, whatever gap that safety is responsible for, you need to buy some time for that safety to get into that gap. Otherwise, you're going to end up uh, getting a huge run on you. This is the holy grail of all defensive coordinators is figuring out how they say how to get a gap back, how to get that extra person or get somebody to count for two. And we described this last week, so this might be a bit repetitive, but one way to do it is to have a player two gap, to have just one player responsible for two gaps. And usually that means they get the guy in front of them and they control that guy. And so if it goes to either gap on either side of that guy, you've got him. Um, and if you can physically dominate somebody like that, then great. I genuinely think Michael Pierce can do that. Um, and he did with the Ravens for a long time. So let's talk about these defensive tackles. I think Michael Pierce can two gap. Vic Fangio does not two gap. Um, he does gap and a half. Now, there are some Fangio schemes that do two gapping um, that, that they don't have everybody two gap like a classic three, four. And so my answer to a lot of the questions about does so and so fit in a three, four? My answer is it's not a three, four. Don't think about it as, as a three, four. It is closer to a five, one where you have five, not literal down line, but you have five people on the line of scrimmage and usually one linebacker in the back um, that is kind of roaming around and playing ball react. We'll get to that when we talk about Kendricks. But for now, understand that like a Michael Pierce's job would be head up on the nose tackle or a shade nose tackle. And all that means is think about him, you know, lining up straight up and down with the center where he's directly across face to face with the center. That's head up. 
And then if he shifts a little bit so that his head is lined up with the shoulder of the center, uh, that's a shade. That's a shade nose. That's just shaded off to the other side. And likely enough, he and Dalvin Tomlinson will play gap and a half, which is what they played in Minnesota last year. Um, and what they had, I'm pretty sure that's what Patrick Graham had the had Dalvin Tomlinson doing in uh, New York as well. So Dalvin Tomlinson, plenty comfortable with that. And he will play like an under tackle kind of, which is more or less what he did last year, which we talked a little bit about it. It's not the perfect fit for him, but the Vikings already did it with him. And I think he had a fine season. Um, Michael Pierce will either do gap and a half or two gap. I think that's going to be an Ed Donatel question. It's not necessarily um, like standardized across all Fangio schemes. So if it were me, I would have him two gap, but I'll leave that up to the experts. The difference is um, gap and a half is essentially one gapping. You are uh, responsible for a single gap in whatever the gap is you line up in. If the running back comes that way, you're making that tackle and it's your job not to get pushed out of there by a blocker. Gap and a half, it's also known as stunting the front in a Saban, in a Saban system, is where you have that gap and it's very similar to one gapping. That's my place. I can't get pushed out of it. But if the running back goes to the gap next to you, you flash across the offensive lineman's face and you go attack it. So you are kind of semi watching the one next to you, but you're really focused on your original assignment and you're like half in the other gap, hence gap and a half. Um, that is a way that Saban systems do it and Fangio systems do that very often as well. Um, and basically you can, that, that can be the safety's gap can be somebody has a half a gap and then they're going to flash across and at least get in there, slow them down. And then hopefully the safety can fill, um, in time there. And that's sort of the way that they cover up that hole. Both of these players have shown a propensity to gap and a half. That's fine. I think Michael Pierce should two gap. It's up to Ed Donatel. I think both options are available to him. And again, I think these guys fit. You're going to find a bit of a theme here. I think the Fangio system fits these five players very well. And the problem is not having anybody under contract anywhere else. But when you hear something that from Mark Wilf that says, well, we have a foundation to build on. This is what they mean. They've got five players, foundational players that will work in a Fangio scheme. And Daniil Hunter and Eric Hendricks are no different. I'll get to that in a second. But these players will work in a Fangio scheme and uh, you'll be able to build a defense around them. It doesn't mean you're ready to go chase rings and go all in and let's trade a bunch of draft picks and pull a Rams here. Um, but it means you have a foundation to go off of and you're not building everything from total scratch like a team like the Lions or the Jaguars have to or like Panthers are getting to that point. Um, really rough spots over there. The Vikings are a little bit further along and I think that's what they mean when they talk about their foundation. So what's the advantage of a 5-1 scheme with those five down linemen and somebody is doing gap and a half in there or two gapping or whatever? Well, against zone schemes, it's really good against combo blocks. Let me show you what I mean if you're watching on YouTube. Um, otherwise, I'll be as descriptive as possible if you have to be listening on audio. But if you're watching on YouTube, we'll go to the whiteboard thing. So one of the ways that a zone scheme gets an advantage is with what's called a combo block. You might be familiar with this, where you have a double team between two offensive linemen on one guy in the first level, and then somebody will climb up to the second level afterwards and go get a linebacker or whoever's back there. And the reason this works is because think of it like temporally. Think about the timing of it. There, the, the defensive line is the closest person to the running back, and he needs to be dealt with immediately. The linebacker is not as close to the line to the running back. He does not need to be dealt with right away. So while he isn't really a threat, the linebacker, you can kind of use that time to double team somebody for just a second, help the other player get like a, a reach block on him or something like that. And uh, you can 
sort of maximize somebody's time that way. So the way that Fangio's scheme deals with this is by flattening everything out instead of having all the linebackers play five, six, seven yards off the ball where they don't have to be dealt with right away. He just moves everybody right to the line of scrimmage. And now you can't do a double team in the meantime kind of deal. You have to deal with everybody right away. And so you can't generate those same sorts of advantages. Now, I still want to talk about Eric Hendricks and Daniil Hunter. So let's stay on the defensive line for a second and talk about Daniil Hunter. Um, a lot of people talk about, well, does he fit in the three? There were a lot of responses to yesterday's show where I talked about his contract that said, well, what about will he want to play in a three, four? Um, once again, I reiterate what he wants is irrelevant. He's basically signed his life away with this contract, which is why I'm so surprised that he signed it after all the hubbub about him being upset. But I digress. Um, he edge rushers in a Fangio scheme have a lot asked of them. Um, they are very, very important. The reason being they have to set the edge. And setting the edge basically means they are responsible for controlling the momentum of the play. You know how zone runs tend to kind of flow one way or another, kind of the whole pile of bodies goes one way or another? If the edge is properly set, that motion can be halted and it can take away the advantage that those zone schemes are supposed to build for their defensive line. And that is where Daniel Hunter comes in. He is setting the edge. It means he's taking on a player, trying to deconstruct a block, and he needs to be very strong, very powerful, or better yet, penetrate, get in the backfield, and ruin the play entirely. But when you hear about a Fangio scheme and you think, okay, what players do they need the worst? Edge rushers and outside cornerbacks. That is the most important two things. That's probably the most important two things in a lot of defenses. But edge rushers are very important to the run. In the pass, it's a little bit different, and this is where things get a little bit hairy with uh, Pearson Tomlinson, but become very important for Daniil Hunter. Um, Fangio's schemes tend to not blitz as much. They are playing a lot more coverage. Remember, everything's too high, so a lot of players are deep. They're playing a lot of coverages, and they're leaving the middle of the field open, the, the intermediate area, five to ten yards, kind of. And essentially what they want to do is bait the quarterback into seeing, oh, wow, there's a ton of space at seven yards. I'm going to throw to my seven-yard route. But secretly a safety is rotating down there and they're going to go try to pick it off. That is sort of the genius of the Fangio scheme. It makes uh, quarterbacks and running backs think that there is space where secretly there isn't space. But to do that, you can't exactly get caught in a blitz because if you entice a quarterback and really lure them into throwing a seven yard quick pass, that's exactly what kills a blitz. So you can't really blitz as much. Now you can simulate a lot of pressure. You can fake a lot of blitzing and you can come just enough to make that fake uh, credible. Um, that means you're, again, lining up a bunch of people on the line of scrimmage and the offense doesn't know who is going to come and who isn't going to come. Um, that means that you're going to have to get pressure with four. Now, simulating pressure will help that. It should generate one-on-ones and stuff, um, but it's going to have to lean a ton on somebody like Daniil Hunter to get that done. Or if not Daniil Hunter, you better hope that another premier edge rusher is coming. You better hope you're going to find a way to pull off some Miles Garrett trade or move some other mountain, because if you get rid of Daniil Hunter, this whole thing falls apart and quarterbacks will just be able to sit back, re-diagnose the coverage post-snap, find their progression, and you're going to get absolutely diced. So for this, not only do I think Daniil Hunter's a fine fit, and again, this is not a 3-4. He's not backing off into coverage, except maybe in like some weird fire zone blitz. I guess you could do that, but 
he's not backing off into coverage and playing a, a old school kind of like halfway coverage, the kind of three, four role you would see in Madden where they actually are playing a hook zone. He's not doing any of that. He's playing the Khalil Mack role. You're a pass rusher. And so scheme fit wise, what Fangio will do with Hunter won't be all that different. The problem is if Pierce and Tomlinson don't have much of a pass rush. Now they did better in 2021 than they did other places. If those two guys don't have a pass rush, that could be a problem. And so you'd have to go try to find somebody on the interior who's a little bit better than that. But I would say having good stout interior linemen that can punish all of those things that we talked about with combo blocks. I think is more important because what you're going to end up doing is enticing teams to check into runs and then those guys have to stop the runs. This is kind of the scheme that Zimmer tried to do in his last year here, 2021. Zimmer didn't do it right and it didn't work out because he didn't have the players for it. He didn't have the corners for it um, and he didn't have the edge rushers. DJ Wanham couldn't set the edge and the whole thing got gashed. That's how this whole thing fell apart. So if you have an edge rusher like Daniel Hunter, this scheme can work. If you don't, if you trade him away, you better have a plan to get somebody elite in the building because that's going to be have to be the way it is. Let's talk about Eric Kendricks, though. So you've got all this, all these flattened out defensive linemen, and you've got this, this front super crowded, and you're making it so they can't do the zone blocks they want to do. One guy dotted in the second level alone all the time. It was like Alexander Johnson a lot for, for Denver. Um, it would be like Roquan Smith in Chicago. This guy is a huge, huge key to it. So let me tell you if this sounds like a job Eric Kendricks can do. Um, this person will have to play ball react football. Essentially, that means they'll have a gap that they are technically responsible for, but they're following the running back. And if the running back goes one way, they go the other way. Um, essentially, it is the inverse of the gap and a half thing. So they'll have a gap next to the gap and a half guy. But if the gap and a half guy, call that guy Dalvin Tomlinson, if he sees a running back is attacking something and then he goes flashes across the offensive lineman's face and takes it the way he's supposed to, Eric Kendricks will then fill in where Dalvin Tomlinson left. So Eric Kendricks will come in and basically replace Dalvin Tomlinson, and that's to guard against Dalvin Cook-esque tricks where you make it look like you're going to one gap, but you're secretly going to the other one. And, and if that's super tricksy, there'll be a linebacker sitting in that other one anyways. Um, and Eric Kendricks will, will fill into that gap. So essentially he has to read react. And a lot of times that requires you to flow across many, many gaps and insert when you have an opportunity to, especially if that leads to an opportunity for like penetration, getting in the backfield, go get a tackle for loss. Sounds exactly like Eric Kendricks. Actually sounds closer to the job Eric Kendricks did when Shamar Steffen was here. And Shamar Steffen's job was just to occupy space, was to just like fill up a gap and basically take on a two for one and not let that guy combo to the other line. It's another way of combating zone zone runs. And then uh, Eric Kendricks had this season where he had like 20 tackles a game because he would always be able to shoot that gap. His role will be closer to that than what it was in 2021. And that was where Eric Kendricks became the all world guy, the 2019, 2020 Kendricks, that was just an absolute God among men. Um, that's the role that he will do. So all of this is to say, these five players fit very well with what Fangio wants to do. I think you want a little bit more interior pass rush from uh, Tomlinson and Pierce, and maybe you make a change there. But outside of that, these are the perfect players for this. And if you want to disrupt it, get rid of people, do more stuff with cap space, you have to replace these players. And honestly, you need more players than this. So look, I'm not optimistic about the, the way this defense will go, but that's because of a lack of talent. The actual scheme and the way it fits the players who are under contract is chef's kiss. Mwah. 
perfect. This is Thursday. That means that Kevin O'Connell's introductory press conference is happening or has happened today uh, as you're listening to this. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. We might talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson stuff tomorrow. I know there was a little rumor that Deshaun Watson like would waive his no trade clause to come to Minnesota. There's a long way to go before that becomes a reality, but we should probably talk about that. That requires a bit of a conversation, right? So we'll we'll have that conversation tomorrow if nothing else comes up. Um, so I'll see you then. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Go check out the uh, Kevin O'Connell presser and we'll talk about it. And as always, skull.